With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast with my partner, Brian Siegler. I am Curtis Wilson. Welcome to the new normal, Brian. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Welcome back. It's a Tuesday night. Uh, We're riding Tuesdays, at least from here on out to the end of the season. Uh, We'll see how we pivot from there. But uh, yeah, so look for us on Tuesdays going forward. It's It's a good Tuesday night, though, Curtis. How you feeling, buddy? It is a great Tuesday night. A little earlier in the week, uh, you know, Brian says watch for us on Tuesdays. We may flip it to Mondays for some of the Thursday games just to get the content out there earlier. But I'm feeling good, man. I, you know, it's, it's it's the summer's winding down in all aspects. School essentially has started here. Um, and it's it, football's in the air. I watched several preseason games over the weekend. Yep. Um, you know, and we we we've had some, you know, mostly fall weather here, man. Like especially last week and parts of this week are looking pretty uh nice. Not 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 cool, but unseasonably uh comfortable. Warm. Yeah, comfortable. Yeah. So we're really waiting for the September games. That's 102, and it's just like miserable outside. Like. This isn't fun. Like, ugh. hot games, hot games in football just do not go together. At least we should opinion. we should be pretty good for uh, for the opener because it's you know eight, eight o'clock. So it's a night game, but hey, down at the beach, you could get a little humidity, a little little breeze off. So down there, who knows what what the weather potentially could be. Um, let's start, man. We have some big news. That broke last week. I don't think it shocked any of us, but a quarterback decision was made, Brian. And I don't think it shocked anyone. Grant Wells, the Marshall transfer, was named starting quarterback. And I kind of asked you when it happened. I said, why now? Why why not later? Uh, there's, there's a couple reasons to me. Number one, you want to get – Last week of camp, you want to have your starter named. You want to kind of get that comfort with the receivers, getting the, those extra reps that a, that, a, that a true starter will get, um, and getting those reps with the guys that he's going to be throwing to more consistently. 
uh, once the season starts. So that's kind of the big thing there. And we know he's been majority working with the ones, but as you kind of wind down, it's it's no more like ones get equal reps with twos and threes and so forth. You're starting to see, okay, well, for every three or four reps that Grant's getting, you know, Jason's probably only getting one or two, and it, you know, you start getting a little bit of imbalance there, which gives Grant a little bit better opportunity to um, get more acclimated with that offense. Um, you know, it is still a new offense for him, new offense for even guys that were veterans of the team last year. So it's important to do that as you get gear into this week, which is, you know, my game week. So yep. you, you, know, you you have one, you close out fall camp, you got your starter name, you roll into mock game week, and then you get full uh, week one preparation starting next week. Yeah, it's that timing piece. And when you explained that to me, it made sense because now, so it was named Wednesday. So he got, obviously he got Friday, he got the scrimmage where it's probably in what? probably 80-20, if not 85-15, where he was probably repping with the ones. Sunday, Monday, now they're doing a mock game week likely this week, so it made sense. Um, Something, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think Brent Pry is ever going to put Brad Glenn on the podium around spring ball because Brad Glenn was very blunt (laughs) in his assessment when he said, oh, no, 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 no. Wells had a significant gap on Jason going in after the spring where Brent Pryor was uh, a little more of a, they're battling, they're battling. (laughs) Lynn was like, yeah. And he gave Jason the ultimate compliments that, you know, summer workouts, early part of fall camp, Jason was continuing to push it and got better, but he could never catch Grant. So I just thought it was fun because that was just brutal honesty. And if, if, if you put him on the mic and made us, he say that and Brent Pryor to give him the side eye, like, no, no, they're, they're competing. <laughs> Nobody has a lead on anybody. I mean, I appreciate the honesty. I mean, and I, I appreciate, I mean, there's going to be some coach speak here and there, but I appreciate the honesty coming out um, from coach Glenn there. I think that's going to be, I think we kind of saw it right when we watched the spring game. I mean, I know there was some deficiency with the offensive line that Jason was working with compared to Grant. So, you know, there, there was some, inequality in terms of the time they were given the, the clean cleanliness of the pockets, things like that. Um, but I think we could see just with the throws, the Christmas, um, that th- there was, there was a gap there and there was going to be a big gap that, that would have to be closed if, if Jason was going to take that starting spot. And I think as a team and as, as a fan base, I think we're probably happy with the way this worked out. Um, because now you've got the guy that's going to be your potential starter for this year, next year, and maybe another year, um, you know, pulling the trigger this, this season. I think that's important long-term for this team because the inconsistency at the quarterback position has been a big bugaboo for the last five years. Yeah. That's been talked about quite a few places. I know on cover three pod, they mentioned, one of the uh, hosts there, Tom Fornelli, mentioned how much he liked Grant Wells and about how the quarterback position had been in flux at Tech for so long. A um, couple other things that uh, that uh, Brad Glenn said was he really liked the command that you know Grant has of the offense at all three levels, but especially was very very keen on talking about that deep ball accuracy, which you know. <laughs> when he said, you know, normally you like to take two to three shots a quarter. And then he's like, but with Grant, it could be more. And you're just like, count. I said, that would be 
12 if we do more? Are we saying we're going to take – if he passes 30 times, we're going to take half of them downfield? We're getting we're getting twelve to fifteen shots a game. I'll I'll take that. I'll take that, especially if we're taking that. If we're able to establish that running game and take most of those off of play action, where you get a clean pocket and be able to look look deep with a clean pocket there for uh, for Glenn. So for Grant, I mean, sorry, not for Coach Glenn for for Grant. Um, I, th- I think that's the big thing, man. And I think Glenn wants that clean pocket, but I think it was the other piece, the other two levels. Because I think we, we've seen some of the video of Grant Wells. He does have a really good deep ball, very accurate on it. But understanding now you're at the P5, not the G5 level, those short and intermediate throws are going to be just as important to move the chains. You're not, you're, you know, we talk about taking shots, that's great. But if it's second and 10, okay, we're going to give an easy intermediate throw here that's going to get four to six yards so we are set up in good position. That's when I hear that. That's what I feel like Brad is saying. If we take that shot on first, we feel that Grant can get us with a good pass into move the sticks range. Um, yeah, and uh, you know we talked about it when we had Brad Ciancia from Pick Six Previews on here. That looking at last year's offensive metrics, you know we had a lot of big plays, but in the middle of that we didn't do a whole lot in the, in the passing nope. game. Um, so if, if we weren't going for 30 yards plus, we probably weren't moving the ball at all. Nope. Uh, and that's something that I think is going to change with this new offense and with this new coaching staff and with uh, Grant Wells pulling the trigger is that short and intermediate accuracy and routes that attack the middle of the defense and routes that attack the short intermediate areas uh, outside the hash marks, I think that's where we're going to see a little bit of difference, um, and and that's going to get the quarterback more comfortable, and that's going to make the defense creep up where you can take those shots more effectively. Absolutely. Last piece I want to mention about something I noticed during the Brad Brad Glenn interview. He had talked about with Devin Farrell, Taj Bullock. He had not been focused on those guys at all. And basically kind of said, when you're trying to find who your starting QB is, that's my focus. Not not getting in there, developing the young guys. Um, but now he mentioned how with this happening, it's almost he can start focusing, figuring out who's third team, who's scout team. And, you know, talked about probably getting to see more of their reps is, is the sense I got from it. So now I think really as we get into – you know, four or five months from now, if someone leaves, there's that clear indicator because Glenn got more of a chance to actually work with them, to see them and give his opinion versus really what's been going on since January. Yeah. And some of this, and my, my mindset is that when he's saying that, he's saying that, you know, when he's out there in practice, you know, he's obviously paying attention to those reps, but what he's not doing is he's not going – back to the tape after practice and meticulously going through their their reps during practice to see, all right, what's the difference between him and him? He's not focused on that aspect yet. He's focused, He was focused more on, you know, is it going to be Grant Wells or Jason Brown? And now that he's gotten that, he can devote a little bit more of that time that last week after the starter was named, this week during mock game week, seeing who that – that third guy is going to be 
working with them to, you know, kind of get them a little more up to speed in terms of, you know, where their deficiencies are in the offense. So they are a little bit more prepared uh, as we head into the season. And then, you know, talk, have that talk with the scout team guy and say, hey, you're going to make us better every week by giving us 110% uh, against that defense. So that's when those conversations are happening. Absolutely. So quarterback decision made. So less to worry about going into the ODU game um, that Grant Wells is the starter. I know a lot of people wanted Grant to start because of that three years. You've got to got three years. You get to learn the system a lot better. All right, let's flip it over. Let's let's go let's go down a little bit because kind of the next news kind of sucks. A few weeks ago, you know, we had the panel on here, and David Cunningham had been mentioning Dallin Wright a couple times. Well, if you didn't see Dallin Wright posted on his Instagram a few days ago, season ending surgery. We do not know what specifically it was. From the look of it, I'm assuming the lower extremity injury because. The picture was, you know, him from about his midsection up. Um, I know this is a guy you've been high on with, you know, basketball player, didn't focus on football, and really that senior season really turned it on. Um, and obviously this is this hurts the depth because he was a guy that was battling probably for a fourth or fifth spot. Yeah, he was definitely kind of a guy that you were going to look at in that four or five uh, position there, probably – you know, five and, and, and he was going to see significant time this year, um, the way it was lining up for him. So that's a big blow for us. Um, I think that there are some other guys in that room that can step up and take on that role. Um, but when you have a guy that's already kind of poised to take that role and you lose him during fall camp, that's always a big blow. So, you know, it may take a, you know, two to three weeks, uh, into the season before we really have that role, that fifth spot kind of, ironed out and and fleshed out to where we want it to be. Absolutely. Now, another big hit, and it was kind of confirmed with a team photo. Um, Will Stewart, TSL, pointed it out. Malachi Thomas has the walking boot on one of his uh, feet there. Brent Pry has been saying he's week to week, week to week. I see that, and I, I know I've said it to a couple people. I'm like, it's got to be a high ankle the way they're talking about it. Not a knee usually a high ankle, it's going to be week to week. Some guys can take a high ankle, get back in three or four weeks. Some guys, it takes six to eight. But ha- not having him in the way it looks, he's not going to be at ODU. Not having him for ODU does hurt the rushing attack and the overall attack of the offense. Yeah, and I'd rather I'd rather not have him ODU than against BC or West Virginia. Um, but – you know, obviously I'd rather have him on the field full stop. Um, you know, it's going to, you know, look like we're, we're going to be look, leaning on Holston. And then we've got obviously Keyshawn King that's kind of come on this year. Um, we got Chance Black that's going to do stuff out of the backfield, um, probably a lot in the passing game. Uh, so there's guys behind him. But, you know, obviously Thomas, I think, had the highest upside heading into this season. Uh, because yeah, I think he was already probably ahead of where Holston was and obviously had room to get even better from there. So, you know, hopefully we'll get him back sooner rather than later. I'm hoping at least West Virginia, maybe at the latest UNC at the at the absolute latest, but uh, hopefully back sometime in, in September if we can. Sooner the better for him. You mentioned Holston. Holston was nicked. He did not practice Friday. But it's one of those things where that was precautionary is what everybody was saying. Like if this was a game day, he would have played. 
But when your number one running or your one A option is out, don't let the one B option get hurt. I mean, don't let the one B option. If there's a question mark, hold him out. Keep him him ready to go. Keep him fresh. Uh, Make sure whatever it is gets full treatment and full rest and bring him back, you know, practicing this week for uh, for mock game week. Yeah. Another person who had been out for a couple weeks, Jaden Blue, um, you know, was advised it's going to be back soon. I think he was out there in a non-blue contact but not doing drills. Probably similar to Holston. You've lost Dallin Wright, who could be your four or five, and you've got, you know, you've got Lofton, you've got Caleb, obviously doing big things. It's, again, I could see that as a Holston situation. Hey, he could play today. He's our number three, or he's our two, two A, one B, one C, whatever. He's a guy that's going to be on the field a lot. This is a practice. Yeah, just yeah. We we we've got we got three receivers that we know are kind of feel like a step above kind of where everybody yep. else is, right? So, uh, and he's one of those three. So you don't want to risk having one of those three guys, you know, aggravating something that's more of a nagging thing, and it turns into a bigger thing. So, you know, hold him out, get him ready. And like I said, I think it seems like he's going to be back practicing this week um, at some point. So, you know, we'll see how, how that goes. But at least uh, it seems like we, we avoided another potential catastrophe there in a room that has a lot of question marks, right? <laughs> in a room we could not avoid catastrophe in, that we had to avoid catastrophe in, excuse me. I cannot say catastrophe sometimes. All right, another couple rooms that got hit, Kalai Lawson out one to two weeks um, stinks because he is such an athletic freak, not having him on the field, but it is a room with a lot of people. Um, a lot of people probably going to get playing time. Uh, so good to hear. Hopefully one to two weeks, you could see his knee was the knee area was wrapped in the photo. Um, yeah. And Benji guys now another room that's deep. He's being evaluated. I do not think I had not seen anything being reported on him yet. Obviously you'll have, media tomorrow so be paying close attention to that um you know i would say it sucks more for Kalai than benji because benji's going to be fighting multiple guys to get on the field this year after already coming off an injury so that's my opinion sucks for Kalai more than anybody yeah i think benji was at a point where he was going to get some reps this year but i'm pretty sure he was going to be a red shirt player uh, whereas you know Daquan Wright is is fighting for spots on the depth chart uh, for the for the full season there, um, and 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 you kind of understand that like even unless Benji was going out there and completely lighting it up and was head and shoulders above any of the yeah. other young guys, you want to redshirt him coming off an injury like that. So yeah, I, I think that was always the plan for him anyway. We'll see if this has any impact on those four games that he would have had some some playing time in. Um, you know, Lawson, I think is the bit is the bigger one, at least in the short term. Um, that is a position where we have pretty good depth though. And obviously he's not the frontline player at that position, but he is a guy that was going to see a significant number of snaps, I believe, uh, just from his skill set, his length, um, and, and, and things like that. I think that that was going to get him on the field, uh, even if it's just a, a pass rush type role, uh, in the in the 2022 season, he was going to see some snaps. So hopefully he can get, uh, you know, back out there as soon as possible so we can get him some of that action. Absolutely. If anything, Kalai's a big chess piece that they, we know he was getting work at will. He was getting work at Sam can move him around off the edge, such an athlete. And obviously 
go back to special teams too. A guy six six that we've seen those box jumps. I I hope he can come back and get some PT, be used on special teams. All right, let's flip it. There's been some talk obviously last week about position battles. And I think left guard, I think it is a war going on right there between Hanson and Moore because, you know, it's been said by Coach Brent Pry, Braylon Moore is going to get playing time this year. Said it, you know. and he said, used, said he's going to get some PT week one. <laughs> said he, yeah, it did say PT week one. And then we're starting to hear six or seven. It used to be just six. Now we're starting to hear that seven number, which I know makes me and you both feel significantly better on that offensive line. Absolutely. Yeah. That, and that's going to be big. And I think the left guard, I said it on the timeline. I think we, we, I tweeted it out earlier this week or, or in the last week, you know, a guy like Braylon Moore winning that job only raises the floor and the ceiling for the yes. offensive line this year, because, yes. you know, we knew that coming in, I was just like, okay, well, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Jesse Hansen at that spot? Um, you know, and, and we were pretty content with Jesse Hansen holding that down. Yep. The fact that Braylon Moore seems to be kind of approaching that level already, um, and really only having switched positions, you know, late late in the spring, um, that's big for a true freshman coming in, uh, and he's only going to get better from here. So th- that, like I said, that's going to raise the floor and the ceiling for this offensive line's potential this year, and it helps the depth because now you've got a guy like Hanson that is. He doesn't have a whole lot of game reps, but he's a guy that has been a power five lineman for a while, has shown some potential. Um, that's going to improve your depth. And, and obviously we were you know, somewhat comfortable with him as a starter as we were moving from spring into yep. fall. Absolutely. That, again, that's only going to help that depth there. Now we're just looking for that, that one or two tackles to kind of step in to, uh, to kind of fill out this this eight man rotation that you want to be really be comfortable uh, with your offensive line. I'm hoping that's a guy like Xavier Chaplin or Johnny Garrett. Somebody, um, you know. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, one of those guys. As Prize mentioned, maybe it's not at the beginning, but maybe by the time we hit October, getting those reps in practice, working with scout teams, getting and finally click. Okay, we can now trust this guy to play tackle as for the rest of the season, so if somebody goes down. As much depth as we have in line, the, the, the linebacker room is just fun this year between between Mike, Will, and Sam, man. I mean, you got Keller last week running with Dax. Jaden Keller running with the ones. And then there's mentioning that there are certain sets where Tisdale's running with the threes on Will, but he's running ones on Mike sometimes. They're playing some Mike. I mean, that room is – just it's definitely I would say that is our most talented room top to bottom in every aspect whether it be the mental aspect the athletic aspect the versatility aspect definitely on defense uh, I'll, I'll definitely give you that on defense I can make argument for tight end on offense but definitely <laughs> on defense uh, I, I'm, I'm good with you there and yeah, Keller running uh, with the ones is is great news because just like I was talking about with Moore and Hanson situation, if you've got a guy beating out an entrenched starter, that's only raising the floor and the ceiling of that potential that linebacker spot, right? Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. And when you couple that with the mixing and matching of moving Tisdale into Mike on some sets and running with Keller, that's improving your athleticism at the position because now you're taking a guy that has the athleticism to play Will, and now you're moving him to Mike. Keller's still running that Will spot. I mean, that that's raising the bar across the board, I feel like. Um, you know, we'll see if that translates to better play on the field. Obviously, we haven't seen enough um at this point to really make that judgment and we've only seen it in you know inner squat scrimmages so you know we'll see if that translates into wins but i think that's definitely you know raising the potential for that room uh both on the like i said from a floor standpoint and the ceiling standpoint 100 percent. i cannot wait to see that unit play this season under prime marv um because i do think we're going to see a significant step all right let's talk about d end so and maybe I heard this wrong. So I know you listened to it too. Cole Nelson and McCray are pushing starters. Well, wait a second. Who the hell's opposite of Garvin? I thought they were fighting for that spot. Is it is it Jay Griff? Is it somebody else? Because either way, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to hear those two young guys. And once again, it's Brian's philosophy now that we're talking about these, you know, basically freshmen, sophomores pushing for PT. The whole group goes up. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. And I'm not sure if he was meaning, you know, they were pushing the play level that Garbutt was bringing to the table, whether they were referencing uh, Griffin in this situation as being the entrenched starter at the position uh, or, or what the situation would be. Obviously, Griffin was probably, you know, the, the third best DN that we had last season. Yep. Um, so if, if if you're just, you know, moving that into the current roster now that you've got uh, Barno in the NFL, then that would kind of, you know, be considered the entrenched starters there. So, um, but I think the big thing for me is McCray. McCray coming on and McCray being at least pushing for starting, if not, you know, fully in the two deep at this point, I think is a great thing for this defense. Um, you know, no offense to, to Eli Adams, um, I like McCray's size and speed combination a lot better than I do what Adams brings to the table. Um, I think Adams is a good, you know, thir- three deep player. Um, he's a guy that he's played enough reps now where you can put him out there a handful of snaps a game and he can get stuff done for you. But yep. he's not the guy that I want out there for a whole series or for multiple series back to back. Absolutely. So again, the more you hear the young guy's name, the the better you feel not only about this season, but the future, because I do believe this staff would be pushing whoever the best player is, not necessarily seniority. Um, I was I was hoping we hear something. Cornerback two is still a mystery um, between Chapman and Murray. I, I, hopefully we get some info in the next couple days. Uh, either way, I think, again, both guys have a lot of playing time out there. Uh, you you kind of feel comfortable with either one of them. You know they both they both can be good players. They both have their flaws as compared to Dar- Dorian Strong, who is just seemingly, I think they've said it a couple of times, just consistent, consistent, consistent. Yeah, I think that's the thing. We've seen, you know, Chapman have, have good plays and bad plays. Um, we've seen Murray – Murray seems to be more matchup dependent in terms of his play, whereas 
Chapman is more like truly inconsistent at times. But I think Chapman in terms of just pure coverage is is the better option there. Um, but, you know, does he have those – is he able to do enough and be consistent with it in order to keep Murray off the field at that cornerback too? I'm hoping so. I think Murray is a good rotational type cornerback. I don't know if he's a guy that I want out there for long stretches of time at, at cornerback too. Um, so, you know, and hopefully that room can stay healthy because I feel like there's some potential in that room. I think we got some players there. Um, we just need to make sure that those front front line, uh, two guys, Chapman and, uh, and strong, uh, hold up and play well and consistent. Absolutely. All right. Last piece we're hearing about position battles. We had already talked about ride receiver four and five and how Dallin Wright would be pushing for that. And then he goes down, Jaden blue goes down and it was a couple Guys getting a lot of compliments, and Stephen Gosnell and Christian Moss have been stepping up lately. Again, you love to hear it. The transfer from UNC and a, you know, a redshirt freshman, um, getting praise from the coaches. And you know, is it just the same old coach speak? Maybe, maybe we don't see them a game this year. Um, but again, names are getting mentioned, and that always is a big thing. Yeah, Gosnell Moss stepping up. Uh, you know, we've heard of Keyshawn King is now getting some touches at slot uh, and flanker, so that's that's pretty big as well. <laughs> that we're finally, finally using that actual position flexibility to our advantage and getting guys touches and reps in practice at places that they can be a weapon on the field. Um, so that's good to hear. Uh, and we've heard obviously. There, there's a lot of buzz about Daquan, right? I know I'm, I'm singing the praises a lot, and I'm going to keep singing them until I'm 14 months with a 14 <laughs> month love affair with Daquan, right? And it's and, until I see something that tells me otherwise, I'm going to keep hyping this kid up because nothing I've heard has Mm-mm. shaken me off what I saw on tape and what I've I've seen otherwise. So, um, I'm going to keep riding it. I think he's a guy that's going to help us in kind of that joker tight end position and also a guy that could be doing some of the type of things that Bucky Hodges did for us, um, you know, when he was here um, out the gate and then, you know, we'll see how he transitions into that, that full-time tight end role as his career goes along, but he's got potential to do some tight end duties, some wide receiver duties in year one. And I think he's going to be a guy that right out the gate is going to be, playing significant snaps for us on the offense in year one. I think, I think you're right, especially with some folks getting hurt. Um, and obviously the way you have seen Tyler Bowen use tight ends, I think it's very likely that he, he doesn't, he, he plays more than four and he gets that shirt burned. Um, let's talk about this kind of last piece of current going on with the, the tech team or something related to tech. And that is the ODU offensive coordinator, Dave Patanude resigned three weeks before the kickoff of the game. Um, Dave Patanude had previously the last three seasons been down at Georgia tech with Jeff Collins. Um, Obviously we saw them last year, one down there. Also something I can remember two years ago, Brian, you talking about Georgia tech and they were kind of a power smash offense. So going down to Ricky Ronnie, that makes sense. 
but when you've had the guy who's been in the quarterback's ear, who's been calling the plays, who's been designing, and he's gone, I mean, I'm not complaining, but that is a uphill climb even more for um for ODU versus what seemingly Brent Price trying to get to be an angry Virginia Tech team. Yeah, I mean, now you've got Ricky Ronnie having to wear essentially three hats, uh, at least in the short term, right? Um, so he's now the head coach, he's the de facto offensive coordinator, and he's now the de facto quarterbacks coach. Um, that's a big <laughs> fucking deal, right? <laughs> you know, two weeks before, three weeks before the season, whatever it was when he stepped down. Um, and I mean, I don't want to speculate too much, but I've heard this might have been a similar to the Oklahoma situation. But oh, really? That that's the whispers I am hearing. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it it is not a public situation, so I will not elaborate further. But yeah, um, okay. But it's ODU, so it doesn't get quite the spread. Not a of lot of word. national run. There. <laughs> ODU, it's not going to get the run as it would somewhere else. So again, for us, it, to me, it's even more so for someone like Tyler Bowen if he's and Brent. It's Ricky Ronnie's brain now. It's not Dave's brain. It's Ricky Ronnie's brain. So that's a big thing. It's going to be really interesting to see um, how they look offensively that night. All right, let's flip this one because this is one that sort of got some people riled up. Yes, the next 10 years, the out-of-conference schedule is not pretty. Even less pretty with BYU going off the schedule. Um, just so if you haven't seen it, David Cunningham put this out there back, um, about August 17th next year, ODU Purdue at Rutgers at Marshall. First of all, at Rutgers at Marshall, we need to quit doing that. I know we talked about it. The panel's got to be stopped 2024, right? This one down at Vanderbilt Marshall at ODU. Again, we got to stop it in Rutgers 2025. Finally, we get a Chick-fil-A kickoff with South Carolina down in Atlanta, Bandy, ODU, JMU. Ugh. I mean, Arizona, Wisconsin's on the schedule in like eight years. I mean. It doesn't start looking decent again until 2030. 2030. <laughs> and even then, it's not necessarily blowing your skirt up. It's just, eh. It's good enough. It's good well, enough. It's- well, it's the point that you've made several times, big guy. Why did we get such big games in the 2000s and the 2010s? Why were we getting Ohio State? Why were we getting Alabama? Why were we getting USC? It's that whole, well, they're a top 20 team, so if we lose to them, it's not the end of the world. If we beat them, it's a resume check mark for us. Yep. And, and, and what's happened really since 2012 and over the last 10 years, we've had two really – yet we are getting close, Matt, two next Friday. Yes, yes, it's it's getting there. We've had one really good season, two okay seasons, a bunch of mediocre seasons, and two shit seasons. And your big teams do not want to play you when that is your track record. You have to start lower, and that's where we are right now. Yeah, right now we are bad enough where beating us doesn't help them, and we're not 
uh, were just good enough where losing to us hurts them pretty bad. Exactly. And there's, a ch- there's a risk to losing to us. So that that's why no one wants to play. There, we're we're just risky enough where <laughs> where it's a it's a it's a bad loss, and we're uh, we're not helping them if they go come down here and wax us. So Moral nobody the, wants to, nobody wants yeah, to play us right now. Exactly. Moral of the story is win more games, and you become more attractive. And when you win more games, you get to tell Marshall Odie, you know, we're never coming to your place. You will always come here. You will always drive here. We're never coming to your place. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of sick of the driving down to ODU and driving to Lynchburg. Like, we grew up an hour from Lynchburg. We can go to fucking Lynchburg anytime we want to. I don't want to play a fucking game there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So, obviously, uh, end of last week, Brian, the Big Ten multi network deal rolls out $7 billion over seven years with an option to go up to 10, depending on if they add additional teams. I'm sure there's some contract language in there about what additional teams they would need to add to get to that 10 million. Roughly you do the math. It's a billion dollars a year with a 16 team league. It's roughly probably right about 70 million. And then obviously on top of some other deals they have, you're looking at probably close to 80 to 90 million per team. The most interesting piece is ESPN is shut out completely. Right. Yep. yep. And they're going to be having a big game at 12, a big game at 3.30 on CBS, and a big night game on NBC. Um, can we be one of the teams that, you know, gets added to this? Because that is a ton of money. Um, and in reality, I think what's going to happen quickly, and you're going to see it, you're going to have basically five teams – are going to get those slots consistently. And it's going to be Ohio State. It's going to be Michigan. It's going to be Penn State. It's going to be Wisconsin. And then maybe you can say six with Iowa and Michigan State. That's it. Rutgers, Rutgers, Maryland will never be on the 330 at CBS or the noon or the 730 night game. They will be moved to Peacock or Big Ten Network. They're getting flexed out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did, did the did the size of the deal and then how it broke down shock you in any way? I'd say how it broke down didn't shock me as much as the size. I think the size is, I think, a little bit more than what we thought was going to be coming. Um, good for them. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think, you know, obviously adding the teams they're adding is only helping that. Uh, it, it's, it's helping their negotiation uh, on that side of things. But I think how it's structured is, is, is good for them. And I think they kind of made the play of, hey, this, this could lure Notre Dame. This could lure some of the other Pac-12 markets if we decide to go higher, go, go you know, aim towards 20. So I think they're looking, um, I think they're looking a little bit forward in this deal as well. Um, but I think at the same time, I don't think anything in this deal is moving the needle for Notre Dame. And I think that's, that's still, that's still the biggest domino to fall before I think some bigger things start happening long-term. Yeah. You know, big things right now is, you know, I was told you today, I had a conversation. It's looking like more or less for the ACC to break up. You're looking at 75%. 
there's not 75% of teams that is going to get offered elsewhere. So it's a pipe dream for the ACC to disband and for Tech to potentially land in the SEC or potentially the Big Ten. Um, Unless grant of rights are broken or there's some other factors that come into play. But I, uh, that's that, the thing. Like, there's going to have to be a legal challenge first. If there's a legal challenge, then all bets are off, especially if that legal challenge is, is successful. But I think barring a legal challenge, for good or ill, we're, we're riding with the ACC for a while. Yep. Um, Only upside now is, and you mentioned this a few weeks ago, ESPN had money set aside for this, right? Yeah. How much can the ACC get out of it? How much additional can they get out of it to basically go from $38 million, I think, well, 36.7 this year to that $45, million, where you're still behind, but you're not as far behind. So how much can they get out of it? Or does ESPN take the money and put it back? somewhere else and obviously sec is going to get more in a few years but can the acc or the big 12 pry additional money out of espn because now their acc is going to probably get better slots right between at least more, a- cons- more consistent slots yeah more consistent slots because you've always got abc espn espn too then you get into espn you and then the networks themselves so is it something where, you know, the ABC is getting an ABC game versus the ESPN2 game or the ACC network game? Plenty of games to go around for all, you know, for all parties involved. You know, 16, 14 teams roughly, that's seven games a week. So hopefully just better slots showing increased viewers. But we'll yeah. see. I think the problem we're seeing, I think in – I mean, I looked at some of the uh, the numbers – in terms of like most watched um, teams with the with the with the highest ratings, Virginia Tech got hurt a lot last year with ACC, ACC fucking Denver. network. Fuck them. Yeah. You put you put definitely the biggest game of the two biggest games of the year on there yeah. by putting Notre Dame and putting Miami. And I know that's the thing where we're trying to lure people in. But when you're not getting Nielsen ratings where you can say, hey, listen, we played Notre Dame. Like that ABC game a few years ago, I think it was like 4.1. A pretty good number for a Saturday night game. And now you're putting that game on the ACC network that doesn't get rated. So you don't know how many people are actually viewing that game. That's where, you know, if you're if you're Jim Phillips, the one thing you better be slinging is saying, you're going to put our crap games on there. You're not putting FSU on there. You're not putting Clemson. You're not putting Miami. You're not putting Tech. You're not putting Carolina. You're not putting State. You put Wake and Pitt on there. Yep. You don't put the teams that draw eyes to our conference. Okay. Yeah, and that and that that's 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 the rant right there, right? That, I mean, and I, and I agree 100 percent with Curtis on that. Um, getting us on ACC Network, especially those marquee games that are going to draw eyes, you know we were still dealing with a situation where so many in the primary market didn't have in it ter- in terms of coverage, didn't have it. And there, it's there are so many TVs in the state of Virginia, in um, parts of Maryland the, that are majority, region. majority Comcast homes. Well, basically think about this. It's really Pennsylvania down in the South Carolina. I've got family in South Carolina. They have Comcast. So, yeah. I mean, it, North Carolina is uh, charter, charter primarily, but I mean, 
Yeah, once you get back into South Carolina, uh, Xfinity picks back in there. So big, big, big market mess type. So we're, we're gonna just stop that, or I could go for. Trust me, y- y'all don't get to hear the rants beforehand when Brian. Has to <laughs> these are the these are the filtered rants. These, these yeah, are ones that have been, you know, we we trimmed them down. We focused them. <laughs> All right. Well, over the last few weeks, Brian, we did not talk about this last week because we had such a or two weeks ago we had our panel on, but. Hokie's got another commit. Hokie's currently sending 36 composite, 33, 247. Young man out of Ontario, Canada, Ishmael Finlater, 6'4", 230, low three-star, had kind of some views from Arizona State with Central Michigan. Have you had a chance? Were there any tape out there on this guy from Canada? Yeah, there's there's some tape out there, and I mean – you know, I'm, I'm not trying to sell a, a false bill of goods here, but the tape is better than the ranking, um, but it's still not a needle mover, if that makes sense. He's an 82 instead of an 80. I, I'd say if, if I was going 247, I'd be like 83, 84. I mean, okay. he's solid, but but unspectacular. Um, but I think the size and oh, yeah. And things is is what's standing out, and I think that's the thing that could be molded into something better down the road. But this is definitely a developmental type player. It's not somebody that's gonna jump off the page or move any needle in terms of recruiting perception. Now six four two thirty, you can't. You know that's that is a great body for a defensive end, um, and I I felt like he camped with us. I let me see. I feel like he camped with us. And they probably measure the variables somewhere. I, I'm pretty. I, I, I think he did camp, and they 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 did say his uh, measurables were verified. So look like legit, and that's yeah. probably why they offered him later. Um, as we're getting into this cycle, you know, we've got currently 18. I think we get a lot more. They showed the senior picture, and I think I counted 28 guys on scholarship seniors this year. I think we're targeting 26, 27 guys this year. So I think right at that number. Yeah, right I think at that that's number. Why. And you kind of leave yourself a little wiggle room for a potential transfer if a couple more guys transfer out, larger transfer classes. So, again, got one more guy there on the boat. Good to hear that. All right, so before we get into our main topic of giving y'all our predictions for this season, we are going to take a quick pause for a message from our digital partners. As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. All right. So we did this last year. It's a lot of fun to do. Uh, fun exercise. Everybody out there, I know we've already had a couple people put their uh, records up for the year. Feel free to chime in. We'll show them at the end. But we are going to go game by game records for this season. Now, there is a disclaimer. These are our ceilings. Okay. This is our ceilings. And we want to put that out there in case someone says, y'all said they win nine games. That's our ceiling. That's We're basically saying nobody gets hurt. Malachi Thomas is their game one. Kalai Lawson is their game one. And we have the most unbelievable football season injury-wise in the history of football. And a couple things bounce our way in key games. There you go. 
So no further. Again, we're going to get into a lot more detail with last week. We've been reading and studying and Brian's been looking at some tape already, but let's start with ODU, Brian. What do you say there? Uh, For me, this is Virginia Tech all the way. I know I said it uh, on the panel. I think we need to go out there and crush them, make this a over by halftime situation. Um, I think this is our chance to send a message that this team is not only better than what a lot of folks out there are thinking they are, but sending a message in terms of the state, this is our state again. We shouldn't even be in Norfolk for this fucking game. (laughs) But since we made the trip, we're going to get an ass whooping while we're down there before we we head home. We're going to get one in before we head home. And I'm me and Brian are lockstep with this one. I am fully Virginia Tech on this one. They need to make the statement they need to make. And I said it on the panel. I'll say it again. They need to make that 100-foot walk back to ODU's locker room the most miserable walk of those kids' lives. And that they never want to see maroon and orange come back to that field again to the point where the AD has to cancel the series. <laughs> uh, and, and I think there's some guys on this team from 20, <laughs> from twenty <laughs> from 2018 who played going down there probably with a bitter taste in their mouth. So I really like that. So I'm definitely going to be going. VT takes one out the gate. We will be previewing this game next week. All right, Brian. First home game for Brent Pry, night game, unfortunately, on the ACC Network. I get the ACC Network, luckily. (laughs) Yeah, you you throw your hands up. It's BC, so it's not the big one. Although that game last year, Friday, pulled almost 2 million people on a freaking Friday night in mid-October. So maybe it should be moved to a different network, and maybe it will. I don't know. But that stuff's pretty sad. But anyway – this is one of those tougher ones. And as I was going through it, they got Djokovic going back halfly, second year. They lost a lot of their own line. But I'm sitting here and just thinking of that atmosphere that's going to be there in lane. And I know you will be there. Bought us tickets this week. The calendar cleared out. So Mr. Siegel yes, will definitely be there. Um, but the the atmosphere, the electricity in the air, a night game which means people are going to be getting out to the parking lots seven, eight o'clock in the morning going all day. I I think Tech can win this one comfortably. When I say comfortably, I'm talking two scores at the end, something, you know, when I get there, I'll say it, but I think Tech wins this one um, comfortably, but not so comfortable. We're not like saying in the fourth quarter, put two more touchdowns on it because I don't want anything stupid to happen. Yeah, I'm not feeling quite as comfortable as you are about this in terms of the the gap in the score, but I definitely think we can pull this one out. Uh, My thing is, is that that offensive line is banged up. It's still early in the season. They lost a lot of players from last year's team. I think this attacking Brent Pride defense will get after Jerkovic early, and I think that's the difference. It was the difference when we played in 2020. Yep. When we forced a bunch of turnovers early. Absolutely. I think it's going to be something similar. I don't know if we'll get quite the bounces from those turnovers that we got then, but I think we put enough pressure on them early uh, where we we hold on for it. Absolutely. All right, Brian. Uh, can we just say this one? The Whopper game. 
Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. And in the words of Don V, 50 burger, 50, smash them, crush them. I want 60. I want, I want you know what? Frank Beaver always kind of was a nice guy, wouldn't run up the score. I hope Brent Pry has a little more bud in him, and it's like 56 nothing in the third quarter. I'm trying to get to 70. I want to squirrel stomp these guys. I'll pull my starters, but I'm still running my offense. Exactly. <laughs> I am trying to continue. I'll pull my starters, but I'm still sending six on third down and long. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so let's do a check-in 3-0 and through the first three games. Are we optimistic? Well, it's preseason. If you're not optimistic, man, that's the rough fan life you have there. <laughs> got to be a Jets <laughs> fan or something. All right. So big one, Thursday night. Blacksburg, West Virginia, Black Diamond Trophy. And I think someone said it's like going to be the 30th or maybe the 25th anniversary. It's going to be an anniversary of the first Thursday night game Virginia Tech ever hosted. So big. You're already, people are already talking about going in, taking a full weekend. Um, that, if the BC game was electric, this one's going to get downright obnoxious and insane because I always go back. Go find it. Was it 2000? The Andre Davis three touchdown game, three different ways, and the yep. Wayne Ward block. Jesus. I, I think they seriously have a chance to get Fowler on this one. And with West Virginia and their back end being so bad, and I know we're going to look more in detail a lot of these games, and learning a new offense and going <laughs> sort of to a true air raid, and they're going to be four games in. They're going to be three games in. I'm I'm going to say we take the Diamond Trophy back here, Brian. I'm actually with you, and I'm basing it on a few things. I'm basing it on the fact that, you know, we were this damn close literally to taking it back at their house last year. Like four times that close. Four, <laughs> not one time, four. Yeah. And, yeah, I know they got JT Daniel, but they haven't named a starter yet. This is pretty late. I, I don't know if they're playing gamesmanship with Pitt on this or or what they're doing. That game's um, in nine days. They better, but get they have they together. have not named a starter yet. So, oh, shit. Uh, if 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 that's for real reasons and not for gamesmanship, that's got to be concerning because I think they were leaning pretty heavy on Daniels being the guy. Um, so if he's not actually went out there and won that job, that's got to be concerning. And then you just couple that with what they lost in the secondary and the transfer portal. I think there's a lot of opportunities to score more points this year on them. Yep. And I think if we can do that, I don't have any confidence that they're going to be significantly better on offense. Uh-uh. So I think, I think we're able to pull it out. We're at home. It's a night game. It's in lane. It's that atmosphere. Thursday. It's Thursday. I think there's just, there's too much, I think lining up against them both historically and on the field that I think we can pull that one out. I'm with you. All right, Brian. So, next game, again, this is kind of the beginning of the gauntlet with the West Virginia game. Travel down to North Carolina the next Saturday. What are you feeling on this one? Uh, This one, I've got got UNC pulling it out. Um, I know they've got a lot of question marks at quarterback. They just named their starter. Uh, May uh, took that job. Drake May, yeah. Uh, I think that's 
that's probably what we expected uh, heading into the season. I think he was kind of the, I think the guy that was going to be the next man up. Um, he's, he's won that job. I think, I mean, he's a quality player, kind of a mid four star type talent. Um, you know, I think they, they get things going a little bit better on offense. I think they're improved enough on defense. Um, uh, and we're not playing in Blacksburg on opening night with that atmosphere. So I think you don't get the boost that we saw last year, uh, from that. So, I think they edge it out. I think it's a close one. I, I hate picking UNC. Um, I don't think, I think anybody that's listened to me on this uh, show mm-hmm. understands my level of hatred for UNC. So, um, but there's enough factors there that are unknown for mm-hmm. us and enough factors for them that work in their favor. It's hard for me to in good conscience, not pick them. So that's where I'm at. Well, whether it's bad conscience, maroon glasses, whatever, I'm picking Tech in this game, and I think it is because of Drake May being a first-year starter. Yep, that'll be his fourth game. But right now, they're getting into true freshmen as running backs. No one has really come out other than Josh Downs at the receiver room. The offensive line has continued to have struggles. The defense – that game, we always talked about it. I can remember being on here almost a year ago talking about if we just had some decent freaking offensive play calls, we could have hung over 30 on that defense last year without breathing. And I don't think they're going to take that big of a step under Chiswick. I, I think they are what they are. And when you're going from that 2-4-5 to a base 4-3, a lot of things different. You're talking about guys putting their hands in the dirt not as confusing schemes. So I think that's where we go. And I think Tech pulls this one out. And I think it's going to probably be because of a young quarterback probably truly facing his first uh, defense that is going to just attack and attack and attack and not pull anything back, you know, because, you know, let's take a look real quick just so I can feel better about myself. They've got Notre Dame the week before. Then they had it's they, FAMU, Appalachian State, which they could be that could they could lose that game and they could lose to Georgia. They could come in one and three. And I think if you do that to a young quarterback, it will be shattered and then have a defense that's ready to feast. And let's just go history. They're four and what four and fourteen since they've started playing us every year since 2004. Yeah. We, we are historically very good against them. Uh, All right. Even in, even in down years, we, we play UNC well. We do. And if, if we'd have started the right quarterback (laughs) in 2020, we'd have beat them then too. Yes, we would have. Yes, we would have in that shootout. All right. So I'm at five and oh, and you're at four and one. Am I going to do something stupid? Am I going to do something stupid here? Are you? You tell me. No. <laughs> All right, so the next game is at wonderful, what used to be called Heinz Field, and the 8,000 people that occupy it for the worst home atmosphere. <laughs> I, oh, am I being real? The worst home atmosphere yeah, it's in all awful. college sports, the Pitt Panthers. And for the first time, I do pick against our Hokies. I think. A, the atmosphere is one thing. If you're going into a hostile environment, and 
Carolina can get a little loud. It's louder than Pitt will ever be. You can get up a little bit. So it's gonna you're gonna go there. It's not gonna be loud. It's not gonna be raucous. And they have just a really good defensive line. And I think with the questions we have on our offensive line, at this point we're five games in. You probably got some nicks, some bumps, maybe some backups playing. I do think this one, write this down, and I hope I, I'm hoping my prediction is when we get there exactly like it. I think it's going to be an ugly, absolute freaking fist fight. It's not going to be a bunch of guns. It's going to be a fist fight in the trenches, and it's going to get ugly. Um, and I do think the Hokies will hang, but I, I just think that defense will uh, get us in the end. Yeah, I mean, weather aside, I think it's going to be almost like an opposite of what we saw when we were at that uh, at Bud's last game in 2019. It's going to be kind of that that tight asshole game on both sides <laughs> of the ball. Um, and, and I think, unfortunately, because of Pitt's trenches, um, they are more experienced uh, in the trenches than we are, especially on the defensive line. I think they've got enough on the back end to to keep us honest, and I think they're going to end up uh, pulling the win there. But I don't I don't think they're going to run away with it. This isn't going to be those ugly uh, pit blowouts that we've seen in recent memory. Last year and uh, back in 18, 28-7 and what, 56-23, something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I think this is going to be a lot more of a – true backstreet brawl all right let's flip next brian we've got miami coming into town it's going to be a crisp october day mid-october uh miami highly ranked most people picking them to win the coastal uh van dyke getting a ton of love cristobal getting a ton of love their recruiting's flying off looks like they're about to get a new stadium which i really hope they do put a stadium closer to where the campus is the Orange Bowl, we've, we've talked with Dwight Vick. Man, love playing there, love beating them there. I hope they get something that's similar to that because that had a great atmosphere. I can remember watching those games when we were younger. But let's flip this one in Blacksburg. What do you say on this one, Brian? Love that it's in Blacksburg, but I hate that it's a team that I think finally has found the leadership to go with the recruiting that they've been doing uh, you know, really, I mean, for a, a long time, right? They, they've always had players. They've always had dudes. Um, I think they finally got the right combination of coach again. I think this is going to be the team that's going to be the measuring stick along with Clemson for Virginia Tech success going forward. I don't think we win this one, but I think this is a game that if we can kind of stick around and hang around and make it ugly, and stick there with it to the end, that's going to say something about this team and kind of put us in a in good footing going forward. But I don't think we have the, the horses to win this one. Yeah, and I mentioned on the panel last week that, you know, with this game, if you beat them, great. I, I can't see us doing that, not right now. They do have a lot of talent. Like you said, the crystal ball leadership, um, a good quarterback. They They have the talent there to beat us. But it's the measuring stick game. If you get in there and you make it a war for four quarters, and even if they beat you, everybody looks at you again, right? Well, this team was supposed to be rebuilding, and they're already they're fighting one of the best in the conference to the end, and they're forcing them to barely get a squeaker on the road. That's what it is. To me, Miami wins the game, but this is the game that if you tell me 
you know, six months from or four months from now, we're talking about the game of the year. It's to me, it could be this one. All right. So then we get a bye week on the week of the 22nd. And when we get a trip down to Raleigh on a Thursday night, ESPN, another Thursday night game with NC State. Um, I hope people don't hate me for this, but it's NC State and some people like nothing. Remember 04? Always painful in 04 to remember that game and that we could not get above 13 points. I know they had a good defense, but I think this year they're just too balanced. And so, so think about the losses so far I have. Probably the best defense we're going to play, probably the best offense we're going to play, and probably the best balanced team we're going to play with offensive weapons, good on defense. I think we drop NC State. Um, I don't think this will be a measure stick game. I think it will be a good game just knowing Dave Dorn's style and Brent Price's style. Um, but I think because they are loaded with a lot of older folks, good quarterback, I think they do get us. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think they definitely take us down. Um, I don't think it's a blowout, but I I do think it's one of those games where NC State probably handles us start to finish. Um, yeah. Kind of keep, keeps us at arm's length, start to finish, uh, just because of their balance. Like you said, I think they they've got a a really good defense, especially in the trenches, and they have weapons on offense, especially the the guy that's pulling the trigger at quarterback. Um, I think that's just going to be a little too much for us to overcome. I think that's a game where if we want to have the potential to win that game, we've got to strike early, get ahead, get a lead, and make them have to get out of their game plan. And I don't think we're able to do that. So I think that's why we're going to we're gonna lose that one. Yeah, I think with the NC State game, as not compared to the Pittsburgh or Miami game, I think the, Pit, the, the NC State game, we have to play our best football game. I think to be, you know, can we can we beat Miami and Pitt? Yeah, I don't think we can. I don't think we have to play our best football games, those games to pull wins. NC State's just too balanced to not be on in every facet. All right, Brian. So you're at a four game losing streak. I'm at a three game losing streak. And the first week, November fifth. Remember, remember the fifth of November. Georgia Tech rolls into Lane Stadium. What do you think on this one? Uh, I think that they're about to look like the cats V from Vendetta killed on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I think Georgia Tech's going to get waxed this game. Uh, I think Jeff Collins is going to already have uh, his pants ablaze from that hot seat uh, by this point in the season. And this is going to maybe be the one that pushes them over the edge. Um, And and we get a a mid November firing like we had with, uh, with Fuente last year. So, yeah. Brian takes GT. I, I'm right there. That that place is a train wreck right now. So many guys leaving. Um, what was it that that some of the classes from three years ago aren't even in there too deep? That's that's bad. That's yeah. So I mean that bad. that's bad evaluation, and then development. They're, they're not developing, and add to that like at some point they, you know, you had the, you had the hyped recruiting classes and now none of those guys are playing. They're gone. Some of the guys that were playing have transferred. (laughs) So, yeah, I I think that's a, um, that's a big one. I think, I think, I think with you that we smashed them. I think we smashed them. I think that's an ugly game. I think after a a losing streak too, I think 
we make a we make an example out of them. And if he's not fired before, then he will be after that game. All right. 11-12, the next week, we go down to Duke, where I know there is going to probably be anywhere between 20 and 30 orange and maroon fans down there because it is officially Lane Stadium South when it comes to the games. Um, Duke's in a rebuild. Duke, you know, they're essentially where Georgia Tech's going to be next year. They don't have a lot. Elko's slowly trying to build it. Um, and think about the team. I mean, we played our best game of the year against them last year, a six and six, and blew them out by thirty. It wasn't even a yeah. game. So I think you know, back to back wins after a, a rough stretch, Tech easily takes care of Duke on the road. Yeah, I agree, and I mean, I think arguably the roster is worse this year oh, than it was oh. last year. Um, even though I think Elko is the guy, and I think Elko is the guy that will get them at least back to respectability um if not you know the the highs that we saw during Cutcliffe's reign there um but i think he'll at least get them back to respectability but this isn't the year he doesn't have the horses like i said it, it's it's a worse no. roster top to bottom than it was last year um and i think not as bad as georgia techs not as bad as, not as bad, but i'm saying relative to their roster yes. last year it's it's a bad roster Bad roster, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think Virginia Tech handles this one. I think that's good Good back-to-back wins there uh, to kind of set them up for that stretch run uh, in Virginia. Absolutely. Two games in Virginia on the 19th of November. The Hokies travel down 460 to Lynchburg, unfortunately, to play the Liberty Flames. There you go. Throw them up. Why are we playing this game on the road? I also – as much as we're going to have down at Duke, I think – what's the size of that stadium? I've watched a couple games. They don't sell out. They might have – I want to say it's a thirty-five or 40,000-seat stadium, and they might have fifteen or 20 in there. I mean, it's bigger than ODU, but not by, a mu- but not by much. All right. I'm, I got I to effort this before uh, – well, well, you go. You go. What do you All think? Right. I will what go. You, I will go while you're efforting. Uh I hate to say this, um, but this is a seven and five team last year that lost seventy five percent of their offensive production. I do not care how good Charlie Brewer is; he is not replacing that production. No, he's not. And I think, and I think if if he ain't playing in November, that yeah, <laughs> that too. Charlie Brewer probably is not making it to. Uh, November to even play in this game. But if he does, he's not Malik Willis. He does not get it done. Hokies take care of business in Lynchburg. And we set up for the Commonwealth Cup the next week. I'm with you. 25,000 seat stadium. I've seen it a couple times. It's probably fifteen to 18,000 there. I have a feeling that will be a lot of orange and maroon on the road as well. I'm going to pick the Hokies, and I am hoping, as I hope with the ODU game, and I hope with the Wofford game, and as Don B. eloquently put in, where I think everybody on that panel agreed, squash them. Squash them. Squash them. Make them not want to break curfew on Saturday night at Liberty. (laughs) Foot on the throat. Foot on throat. Just smash. Uh, And, again, Charlie Brewer, yeah, he played last year. He quit on his team. Charlie Brewer has like 10 concussions. Charlie Brewer's not making it to November. <laughs> and, and for God's sakes, you, 
how, I agree. <laughs> like if you're if you're a coach, you're like, yeah, we're gonna send you out there, knowing if this kid takes one more bad hit, he's not gonna be able to have kids or even communicate by the time he's in his mid thirties. You can't have that many concussions, Jesus. All right, so Commonwealth Cup, Brian. Um, I am uh, I'm leading here, and this is all I'm gonna say. In the last 22 years, one team has won 20, one team has won two. It's mental tech wins. I'm right there with you. I think I think Tech can pull this one out. I think when you look at this offense, I think they are still going to be one-dimensional. Uh-huh. Uh, I think they probably have one of the five best wide receiver cores, uh, and you, you couple that with their quarterback, a, a top 15 passing offense. <laughs> uh, but I don't think that that is going to equate to enough to compensate for their lack of running game. It's not going to compensate for their lack of offensive line depth. And it's really? not going to compensate for their poor defense, especially the secondary. They still can't get enough pass rush to cover that big-ass flaw. That's going to be the difference in the game. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, and, and I'm going to give a little more insight. It's the, the O-line. They literally lost a couple of their best offensive linemen. They lost some of their best coaches on the offensive side of the ball. And as good as Brennan, as good as that core is, he's going to get the shit knocked out of him a lot this year. And I can already see Brent probably basically say, I'm going to probably send six or seven, and you're going to have to get rid of that ball really quick or you're going to get hit even more. And as bad as that defense was last year, I don't think it's an overnight fix. I don't think a coach comes in and hits the magic button and goes from being 129th to being in the 70s where you can be respectable. It doesn't work like that, not without talent. And they are deprived of talent on the defensive side of the ball. So I pick Tech wins this one as well, as I said earlier. So, Brian, let's, let's, let's tally it up here. How many you got? What you got? I'm at eight and four uh, ceiling for the Hokies in 2022. I'm at nine and three. What a shocker. I'm back at nine and three again as the ceiling. for the <laughs> Not hey, shock, listen. not shock, not shock. Three game. Hey, listen, I will always, as much as I'm glad the last old coaching staff is gone three games last year that could have easily turned the right way. It would have been nine and three. Um, so it is what it is, but listen, y'all. So, these are our ceilings, but let's just be very honest. There is a floor, especially with this team, with the depth, and we are not foolish. And, Brian, I'm gonna since we're matching on this, I'm going to let you make a statement. On behalf of the Boundary Corner Podcast, our floor for this team, because this is mine as well as Brian's. Yeah, the, uh, the floor for this team is five and seven. Um, I don't see us going below five wins. I think there's just enough winnable games on our schedule and we don't travel enough to really feel like this is an awful team. This is a team that even with some injuries can just fall off the map. Um, You know, when we talk about the games that are winnable on paper out the gate, you're looking at ODU, you're looking at Wofford, you know, you're looking at Duke and Georgia Tech. Uh, Liberty is a very winnable game. 
when you look at games that are kind of in that toss-up category, you've got BC, you've got West Virginia, you've got UVA. Pitt so and UNC. You can throw Pitt and UNC, UNC in and- that conversation as well. But I think in terms of true toss-ups, I think that those those games are still in that that category. So you've got you know roughly seven games that are either toss-ups or you're going to be favored. I think yeah. we at least get five of those, even with some of the flaws uh, of this team, and even with some things like injuries, uh, you know, impacting this roster as the season goes along. That's the way to sum it up: injuries. Again, if this team stays clean injury-wise, and when I say clean injury-wise, a guy can miss a week. Okay, we can we can live with that. A guy missing a month on certain um, aspects, we cannot. William McCown out there. Barring significant injury, going eight and four, ceiling nine, floor seven. Ooh, that floor of seven. I, I, I'm. I hope to get to say that next year, and I get to go like ceiling of ten or eleven. And next year, I'll be maybe a little bit more tanked up. But um, when you're when you're talking floor of seven, you're talking about being confident in a team. Number one, winning all of the matchups they should win. Number two, probably at least splitting the toss-ups. Number three, probably at least punching up in one game, right? In one game, yep. I don't know if we're quite there yet, but, I mean, I, I appreciate the optimism at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if if you're not optimistic in, in, in August, um, you're not going to be optimistic at all. So If you're not I'm optimistic in August, you're either, let's think, like a Temple fan, <laughs> Jets fan, Jags fan. Um, who else? Texans. Yeah, you're a fan of a team where it's just like we want a good draft pick, or can you see? <laughs> I'm just watching because I need a reason. You're, to you're a Duke football drink. fan. You're oh, Duke there you football. go. Duke football <laughs> fan. I need a reason to drink on Saturdays, and if a football game's on and we're losing, it makes me drink more. I mean, you know, that happens. <laughs> it happens. Brian, anything broken in the last hour and twenty minutes? Uh, nothing that's popped across my timeline, buddy. I think we're good to, to, to wrap it on up, man. All right. Well, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I am Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Visit our website, BoundaryCornerVT.com, to listen to all of our episodes. While you are there, do not forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube account and your favorite podcast source, including Spotify. Amazon and Apple podcast. As always, we let our buddy Jason long play us in and play us out. Check him out on his new website, jasonlongmusic.com. Brian, pull that up. Is he playing anywhere this weekend? I did not get a chance to look tonight at jasonlongmusic.com. It'll link you to all of his music on Apple, Spotify, his YouTube and Facebook's accounts. Is Jason playing anywhere? Jason has released a new album. Check that out. We are actually planning on having one of the songs from the album next week for you guys to have a listen to. His next show, uh, Grand Grand and uh, Village Farmers Market on the third. So we'll, we'll be recording again before that one. So we'll get that one out there next week too. We'll make sure they know about it. As always, we thank you for listening, chiming in. Appreciate you guys in the comments out there. Letting us know your thoughts. And as always, Brian, let's go. Okies.